0: Greetings, I'm Jessica Schmidt, Director of Investment Communications here at Diamond Hill, and this is Understanding Edge. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist for our fixed income team here at Diamond Hill. After two years of distress and poor returns in the fixed income markets, the first month in 2023 provided investors with some relief. Today, I'm going to talk to Doug about what is driving this year's performance. We'll dive into a couple different areas of the fixed income markets, and he'll share his perspectives on what fixed income investors can potentially expect going forward. As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Douglas Gimple. Well, hi, Doug. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Great to have you back with us, and I should probably say Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners. Happy Um,
1: New Year to you as well.
0: Thank you. I'm very glad we're able to start off the year with a more positive environment than we saw last year, of course. And we're going to talk about that today, what's driving that, and we'll dive into a couple areas of the fixed income markets. But Doug, to get us started, maybe you could take us back a bit and frame for us the fixed income environment over the last, say, 24 months, because it's certainly been a tumultuous ride.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So if we look at 2021 and 2022, we had back-to-back negative years for fixed income using the Bloomberg Barclays US Aggregate Bond Index as the measuring tool. Um very different ways. So 2021, you had a rough start to the first quarter. It was down about 3.37%. Uh and then the rest of the year was spent trying to make that up, which it never it never did. It was down for the year. Um but that first quarter of 2021, we saw the 10-year Treasury rise 83 basis points. As and and throw your mind back to the that time where things were reopening, and you know we had support from the federal government through stimulus programs, and everybody was happy just to to get out and to get to dinner and to do these things that we hadn't been doing for quite a while. But you had other impacts as well in the first quarter. You had obviously the the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Um, you had less than enthusiastic less than enthusiastic auction results for US treasuries in February uh, you had foreign sales of US debt as uh, asian nations were preparing for the new fiscal year and then you had the expiration of the supplemental leverage ratio uh, which was put in place to help systematically important banks increase their US treasury holdings without a concern for violating that leverage ratio well that went away so you had again you know more sellers than buyers so you had you know this very painful First quarter of 21, uh, which was kind of the precursor for what we experienced in 2022, even though the rest of 2021, as I said, was kind of a recovery and and trying to get back to zero, which which the markets never did. So then we look at 2022, the worst calendar year for fixed income that we've ever seen, uh, fueled by runaway inflation. And then the Fed's, what some people would think somewhat late entry into the game, very aggressively raising rates. Uh, But here again, in 2022, you could split up performance, you could look at the first nine months of the year. uh, So the first three quarters, uh, where you had the Fed come out and start, you know, with 25 basis points and 75, 75, and and again, and again, and then 50. uh, So this dramatic and aggressive rate hiking cycle, Well, what did that do? Well, if you had duration, you were going to feel the pain. And so that first nine months of 2022, the aggregate index was down 14.61%. And that's because the 10-year rose over that time period, 2.3%. So the largest increase over a nine-month span it's ever had. But, you know, you had this light at the end of the tunnel. And we always joke that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is the locomotive that's going through the tunnel. But so far, we haven't seen that. And what I mean by all of this is in the fourth quarter, you know, the index was up uh, 1.87%. So we saw this stability in rates with actually a a coming down uh, to a certain degree by the end of the year. Uh, We saw spread tightening uh, across all of the risk assets, uh, which we hadn't seen for the first three quarters. And so what we saw was this positive pocket of performance in the fourth quarter helped to mitigate some of the damage that had been wrought in the first three quarters. But the index was still down 13.01% for 2022. Again, the worst possible fixed income environment that we've ever seen. And then you look at January and January of this year was, you know, a continuation of what we saw in the fourth quarter. We saw rates come in, we saw spreads rallying. And and part of it was, there's a lot of money on the sidelines that had kind of gone to cash and was coming back in. And we'll talk about that later on when we talk about issuance and, and the interest, but we saw this Still, this disconnect between the Fed and what they were saying and the markets and what they were interpreting. And what I mean by that is that the markets were saying, okay, terminal rate's going to be somewhere south of 5%, meaning the rate at which the Fed stops raising. And then there will be cuts in the latter part of 2023, roughly about 50 basis points in cuts, with the idea that inflation is under control and the Fed is going to step back. The Fed has continually said, hey, we're going to keep going. And we're not stopping, and we saw that with the dot plot, and the majority of Fed members now saying that terminal rate is you know between 5.10 and 5.15, and some even higher. Um, but with the most recent Fed meeting, we saw the first day of February, the market is starting to to shift a little bit. And today is is the seventh of February, and we see that the the market is now pricing at a terminal rate in the kind of the 5.1% type range reached in June. So now getting on board with the rate increases, but still uh, contrary to what the Fed has been saying, a rate decrease uh, by the end of the year. Whereas the Fed is saying, hey, we're gonna get to, to our terminal rate and we're gonna stay there. And then lastly, because I know Jessica, I've taken up way too much of time here uh, with one answer, but the strong jobs report for January that we saw in that first week of February, you know, that's created a little bit of angst where the market is again getting more in line with what the Fed was saying because uh, a blowout number like we saw you know, continues to show unemployment at 3.4%. Inflation is slowing down, but the Fed is adamant that they're going to keep going. Um, and now they're shifting more towards a little more data dependency, which gives them flexibility for their next meeting, which is in, I believe, late March.
0: Okay, so as we talk about... The interest rates and what the Fed is doing. Certainly that's had an impact on performance in fixed income markets. And uh, it's interesting to hear that that perhaps still um different differential between what the Fed is doing and what the market is expecting. But are were there other factors that drove kind of the improvement in performance in fixed income markets in January?
1: Yeah it's it's that combination of the rally that we saw across the entire treasury curve. So that's the the duration impact uh, but then you have the spread impact as well meaning that again you know when you look out in the market despite you know in the corporate market despite a lackluster earnings season um, credit is, is doing really really well and i'm talking investment grade corporate credit because again there's so much appetite because a lot of investors has investors had either shortened up duration we're gone to cash. And now you've got all this cash on the sidelines that needs to be put to work. And that's where you see all of this activity ramping up in credit, ramping up in the securitized market. And, you know, you have in January, you have kind of a break when uh the ABS industry does their, or I'm sorry, the CMBS industry does their, uh you know, annual conference, which was down in Florida. Um, so things slowed down there, but then immediately picked back up once that ended. We'll see that Uh, later in in February, early March, when the ABS industry has their conference out in Vegas. Uh, But what we're seeing is issuance coming to the market and being just completely devoured. And, you know, the treasury market. So we saw in January, treasury auctions across the curve and every single one of those auctions stopped through. Uh, What that means is that there was more interest than there were bonds in the yield uh, that was to be paid Uh, actually was lower because there was so much interest, it drove the yield down. And so that's something that uh, is starting to crack a little bit. We saw an auction uh, that had a tail uh, just this morning, I think it was a three-year treasury. So that slowed a little bit, but just so much money getting thrown into the market. The idea of maybe a soft landing, the idea of the Fed getting to that terminal rate and either just pausing or starting to trim, which again, I don't think they're going to do, but A lot of that is what drove uh, performance, and it's it's almost the opposite of what we saw in those first nine months of 2022 and a continuation of what we saw in the fourth quarter of 2022.
0: Okay, so you mentioned issuance in the treasury market. How about in the investment-grade corporate market? You mentioned that, a lot of cash on the sidelines. What are we seeing this year in terms of issuance and spreads in that area of the market?
1: Yeah, so issuance in corporate in the corporate market, the investment grade space uh, hit it was 144 billion in January, uh, and new deals that come out that new issuance tighten roughly about 28 basis points after issuance, meaning that they're issued and then as soon as they're issued, they hit the secondary market and they tighten in by by about 28 basis points. Compare that to to all of 2022 when the average was about 22 basis points. So that gives you the idea of Uh, how much appetite there is for corporate debt. Um, But also the idea that on average in January, each deal, uh, again, on average, was about 3.4 times oversubscribed, meaning that there was nearly three and a half times the level of interest relative to the actual amount being issued. So heavy oversubscription, a lot of interest. And then when you look at the activity within the corporate market itself, The final day of January saw roughly $48 billion in investment-grade corporates traded. It's the highest single day that we have seen. And then the full month averaged uh, daily trading volume of about $31.3 billion per day. Uh, So both of those numbers that I mentioned, the $48 billion, the $31.3 billion per day, those are records. Um, And then because of that and all that interest, you saw spreads tightening in you know, again, continuing what we saw in the fourth quarter.
0: Interesting, Doug, let's shift gears over to the uh, structured product market. And what have you seen so far this year in 2023 within mortgage-backed securities and asset-backed securities?
1: So mortgage-backed securities, one of the things that we've talked about, you know, on podcasts, and we've written about is is the duration extension that we saw last year. Uh, As rates go higher, uh, your propensity to want to refinance goes down. Think of it this way. If I've got a 3% mortgage and mortgage rates are at 6%, I'm obviously not refinancing. What does that mean? That means the life of my mortgage gets longer and longer. So the duration extends and duration is that sensitivity to interest rates. Rates are going higher. My duration's extending. It's it's exacerbating that impact on my overall portfolio, the pain when I own those mortgages. So what we've seen, and the reason I bring that up is we've seen that kind of stabilize. So the market's basically taken all of the rate increases and applied it to the mortgage market. We still get some ebbs and flows based on what rates are doing. And, you know, we saw rates, wide, or rates go higher um, really since Friday, since that jobs report. Uh, and so the mortgage duration we may see extend a little bit more. Um, but what we've seen in that market, we expect production of residential mortgages to slow, um, as those rate increases are, are challenging to new home buyers, as, as we would expect. Existing home sales have dropped for 11 consecutive months. In 2022, overall home sales were down 18%. But pending home sales were up 3% in December. So that's new home sales. Uh, and it that appears that you know homeowners have adjusted to the idea that, okay, I really don't like a, a mortgage over 7%, which is where they had reached, the, the mortgage rates had reached, Uh, But now that they're just north of 6%, kind of become accustomed to it, and I can maybe stomach that. So we should see production is going to slow down, but it's still out there, and there's still opportunities for new issue. Uh, One of the major concerns in this market uh, is the health and the viability of the consumer. And that really plays in to the ABS market, and we're seeing that, you know, as you know, inflation is eating into people's paychecks and it's making things more uh, more challenging, the savings rate has come down. Uh, and it came down, you know, if you look at, you know, a chart of the savings rate going into COVID, we were at kind of nine-ish percent, I believe. And then as you would imagine, stimulus checks hit, savings rate goes through the roof. I think it peaked at like 33%. and had been coming down as consumers were dipping into their savings. Well, what we saw at least in December was that the savings rate actually increased. It went from 2.9% to 3.4%. So still well below pre-pandemic levels, but maybe we've hit the bottom there because people still have jobs. People still are getting higher wages and inflation is starting to come down. I mean, Powell mentioned disinflation, which is the decrease in the rate of inflation 11 times at his press conference last week. So it's, it's definitely starting to happen. But we've seen within ABS and again, the consumer exposure. So, whether it's autos or consumer unsecured, we're starting to see 30 day delinquencies, 60 day delinquencies, and defaults creeping up. But here's where you've got kind of that separation. And what I mean by that is you've got subprime autos, subprime consumer unsecured. They're feeling a lot more of that inflation pain than near prime or prime. And so, you're getting this differentiation. And, you know, reinforcing how important it is to understand what you own and to really dig into the details, uh, the de- the geographics and demographics of those securities, because we are seeing, you know, some of the lower end consumer primes or I'm sorry subprime deep subprime really feeling pain. Um, and we'll start to see those delinquencies creep up. But, you know, if you're able to kind of find those diamonds in the rough or focus on, you know, higher quality. You know, you can still find really good opportunities out there, uh, but it's it's all to reinforce that notion that yes, there is some pain for the consumer out there, but this is unlike other recessions. If you consider we're in a recession or headed towards a recession, because people still have jobs and there's still I think there's 1.9 job openings per applicant, uh, as I mentioned, 3.4 percent unemployment. So it's it's a different uh, situation than anything we've seen before, and so. As long as the consumer continues to to make those payments, um, we like that part of the market, but, you know, we have to just approach it a little bit more cautiously.
0: Would, Doug, I know we didn't plan this question, but um, would the actual reporting or confirmation of an actual recession impact that in a negative way going forward? Or is some of that already built into the market?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question, Um, because by the old way of measuring a recession, we've already had a recession. And that old way is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, which we experienced. Um, But history does not say that is no matter what a recession. The recession is officially indicated by the uh, National Bureau of Economic Research. And they have the luxury of waiting and they wait they analyze and they can come out next week and say, Hey, we were in a recession. It was six months ago. It lasted five months. And so if something like that comes out, I think the market would basically say, "Eh, okay, you know, we kind of felt some of that. Um, But if they were to come out and say, Hey, we are now in a recession. It started last month. There may be some, some knee jerk reaction, um, mostly unjustified because just because you're now saying it's a recession doesn't change the fact that unemployment is where it's at, uh, wages are where they're at, and inflation is coming down. So, you know, I think, as I said, you know, there may be some kind of knee-jerk reaction to that, but the market is kind of, it's doing what it's doing, and the consumer is doing what they're doing, and and someone coming out and saying, hey, it's a recession isn't necessarily going to change that.
0: Sounds good. Well, taking all this into consideration, Doug, and thinking back, even to fourth quarter, where we started to see that shift. Um, What does that, looking through the fourth quarter and the first few weeks here in in the new year, what does all this mean for fixed income investors going forward?
1: Well, it means that, you know, we're in a position that we haven't been in many years. And what I mean by that is fixed income now has income. You know, a two-year treasury is yielding you know, four and a quarter percent, 4.3%, wherever it is today. Um, So what that means is that you've got a way to mitigate future impact to pricing on fixed income, meaning rates go higher and prices come down. You now have income. Whereas last year, when, you know, we felt all this pain from exposure to duration, interest rates moving so much, there wasn't a lot of income to offset that. Now, if you look at the ag, the, the Bloomberg Aggregate Index, I think the yield there is maybe a little bit north of five. So that's pretty good return to hold on to. And then, you know, your interest rate fluctuations are going to impact that somewhat. But we now have a cushion. And that's very different than what we've had. And, and so, you know, from my personal experience, I've been here at Diamond Hill since July of 2016. And that was on the heels of Brexit and rates have been pretty low, with, with a, an exception maybe in, in 2018 when the Fed finished their last tightening cycle, uh, really hasn't been a compelling opportunity for income. But now we see that, and it gets back to what fixed income has always been about, which is delivering income, helping to mitigate volatility, and reduce some of that risk that maybe you're getting in equities or, or other areas of the market, Core fixed income in particular is, is almost back to being that anchor in your asset allocation, which was really hard to, to stomach even two, three years ago because you're getting a you know a percent and a half yield, maybe two percent yield, but you have all this duration risk when the expectation was that at some point rates are going to move higher. And so now fixed income is offering up income, which makes it very different than where it's been for a very long time. And so I think you know, it's hard to say fixed income's exciting because it's a pretty boring topic. I can say that because I'm in that market, but uh, I do think that there's some compelling opportunities within fixed income this year. And it's going to be very different than the way it's been over the last three or four years uh, because you've got that income. And so I think January was was great for investors who were able to open up their statements and they're, they're not seeing red numbers next to their fixed income. And it's not to say that that's going to continue throughout the rest of the year. Point of fact, February right now is negative. The ag is down, I think, 72 basis points so far this month. But as income comes in and is paid, we'll see some of that mitigated. And so that's that's refreshing. And that's something that we haven't seen in fixed income for quite a while.
0: Well, Doug, it's always a pleasure having you on and uh, certainly more fun in a more positive environment, um, but we'll see what what the future brings for us. But again, thank you for joining me on the podcast this afternoon.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always, uh, always a pleasure being on here.
0: Great. Well, we look forward to more of our conversations as, uh, as the year progresses.
1: Excellent.